Let us pray together. Loving God, we ask that you would let our soulful imaginations join Jesus on the mount to hear these words about prayer and that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As you woke up this morning, hopefully to a warm room and a warm comforter, it causes the mind to think about how heat began in our lives, heat that we make ourselves. I found myself wondering about when the first person discovered fire. I like to think it happened with a bunch of children playing, rubbing some rocks together that started sparking. And it became a sort of game for them that they would do this neat little trick that they could try out whenever they wanted. Sparks going off, sparks in the night, sparks at the beach, sparks in the woods. Until one day they happened to be around some dried pine needles and leaves and twigs that had fallen from the trees. And one of those sparks caught and a flame began. I like to think it was a day kind of like today where there was just a little bit of chill in the air, a little bit of hint of winter, and they realized, you know, this flame is good. There's a little warmth coming from this. It makes us feel better. And they started playing with it and experimenting with it. And they found all these ways it could heat them up, that it could make their food a little more edible and tasty, bringing the sugars and the flavors better together. They also learned how it could burn down a whole forest without even trying. They learned to tame this fire with rocks and containers until it became this basic component of our lives, first with people's fireplaces and hearthways throughout the world, and then charcoal and natural gas and oil and solar panels. And you and I today enjoy this contained heat because one day someone discovered fire, this basic part of our human life together. Or I wonder about the day that human beings first discovered the wheel. Again, I like to think it might have been some kids playing on the beach. They, they found a log, kind of like those foam cores you use at the gym to roll out your muscles, and they realized they could just roll along the beach or in the woods with it. And they started playing these games, rolling all over the place, until one day someone realized, you know, you could actually use this to do some things. You could actually put a bunch of reeds down or a plank or a sort of a raft and roll it where you need to go. And that idea took off and eventually we had the pyramids and the sphinx and the temples along the Nile and the Acropolis with the Parthenon atop of it. And then we had bikes and skateboards, and cars, and trains, and airplanes, this basic unit of life that one day someone discovered how to use. So I think the same thing about prayer. I wonder when it was the first time someone discovered prayer. I imagine it was as a woolly mammoth was chasing them across the plain, <laughs> fearing for their lives, and they shouted whatever the Neanderthalese version of, oh my God, was. <laughs> and help. Or maybe it was when they had 
a loved one that they depended on, someone who was close to them, who got all the food and built all the fires, who was deathly ill in the cave. And they prayed out to some force greater than themselves to help them. Or maybe it was the first time they saw the sunrise over the water on the mountains, and they gave this prayer that Lindsay and Elisa reminded us of, wow, or the Neanderthalese version, which might have been, huh. Or I like to think it might have been on a night when they were laying on the grass next to some other warm body of someone who was important to them and looked up at the magnificent Milky Way above them. Something that you and I only get a chance to see a fraction of whenever we go out to some place really remote, whenever we have the good fortune to get away from the city, away from all the light pollution that clouds all of this wonder. And they realize there is something bigger out there. As they watch this light show of sparks go across the sky and rolling around in the heavens. As they watch the sun come up from the east and go down in the west and the moon travel all over the sky, they realize there is something more than us and our concerns and our worries on this earth. Prayer. It became this basic unit of human life. People all over the world do it all the time because we need to remember our souls and center in something deeper and clearer and something that takes us out of our own, own selfishness and internal monologue. Jesus understood this very well, and he understood as people were trying to follow his words and his complicated parables that they needed not to get so hung up about how to pray. There are plenty of people who are doing it certain ways. I find this all the time whenever I ask a member of the church to pray in a meeting. I find people clam up. People who are normally loquacious and have lots to say all the time don't feel comfortable praying, I think because they don't think they'll get the words right. But as we heard in our first message, prayer is basically a conversation. And Jesus wanted people to understand that, to set the bar low enough that you could step right over it and do it. And so he gave us this recipe, this formula for prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, which is another way of saying sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. Now I know those are not the words we normally say in worship, and we've had this conversation in our worship meetings about having these rituals that we can ease into like a good pair of slippers to remind us and make us comfortable, something we can dig into the words a little bit more. I know when we change the words up to a more contemporary version in Lent and summer worship, some of you came to me and said you were a little provoked by this, which made me happy, because I would love for us to think a little bit more about this formula, this recipe that Jesus gave us. See, I actually think Jesus had no intention for us to say it all together as a community, although I think it's good that we do that. I think it's good that we say the words over and over. And if you grew up Catholic, 
you know that the prayer ends there. But if you grew up Protestant, you know that we added a little bit more that came later. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But sometimes I get a little concern that we're just saying the recipe and we're not making the dish. That we're just following the formula for the yoga poses or the exercise routine and we're not actually doing them. So if you take out, there's a sheet each week in this Practicing Our Faith series. We're going to give you something to take home to try it out if you like to. I encourage you to just try any of it, just so that we feel like our efforts have not been in vain, to try this. And you'll see that our speaker, we have each of these lessons that we're doing in our groups during the week come with a video component of a fresh, progressive voice in Christianity. And this week, it's Brian McLaren. Who He diagnoses the Lord's Prayer as having four components. You might diagnose it differently, but he, or rather, uh, parse it out differently, but he says four different actions here. The first one, our Creator, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, is a call to wake up, to look out at the Milky Way of life and be amazed, to wonder about this animating, life-giving, creative, benevolent force in the universe which we call God and reconnect once again. This wonderful word hallowed, glorified, make it big, realize how big it is and internalize that to wake up every morning and say God is good and I'm going to tap in to that God energy again. The next move that Brian says is tune up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We know we don't live in heaven, but I believe in this prayer Jesus gives us an invitation, even an instruction, to try to pull a little bit of heaven into this earthly life. That actually that's our calling, to get tuned up again in the things that God values and verifies and calls forth and to live them with our lives. And this second move of the prayer is to get in tune Again, it's what we try to do with our first prayer in worship, to retune ourselves to the rhythm and melody of God. The third thing is to ask for what we need, just as we heard in the first message. We need daily bread. We need to be forgiven. We might need help getting through a hard conversation. We might need help because our legs are getting weak. We might need help because there's not enough money in the bank to cover our bills. We might need help because we're just sad. Brian talks about the need to state our needs because there's this other force in our lives which the people who first discovered fire and wheels and prayer know very well. It's this anxiety that is a very natural human condition. It's this thing that becomes a smokescreen, a sort of light pollution from actually encountering God. Brian describes it as a sort of virus that invades our own computers. And when we pray and state our needs, we entrust it to something bigger than ourselves and trust that it will all work out in the end. If you review your life, you'll see that this has been the case over and over again, if you're willing to acknowledge it. And so trying to clear out that anxiety and get in re-in-tune with this animating, creative, benevolent force. And then finally, 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Reentry. To take whatever has happened in that waking up, that tuning up, that asking for what we need, and resolving how this day will be to set our intention again. This is the basic stuff of life. And we begin our series on practice with this because this is the heart of what we're all called to do. Every day, every moment, a conversation with someone bigger than ourselves. It's highly portable. You can do it on your cell phone, as we'll discover this week on our Centering Prayer conference call. You can do it in conversation with others. But too often we don't take the time to do it. We beat ourselves up for not having the discipline for doing it. Jesus said, no, it's very, very easy. In fact, you can just follow the words I gave you to help you get started. So I'm excited about this era of practicing our faith these six weeks. I invite you to take some really wonderful exercises with you about how to wake up, tune up, ask, and re-enter. Some wonderful artists and theologians who've given us some inspirational quotes. And then I invite you to talk with one another. Talk with your pastors about how it's going. Come to one of these groups if you would like. Because practice is a great joy, a great devotion of our faith. Amen.